0: And it's that time again for Inferno Soccer Insiders, your favorite podcast that covers everything AC soccer with your typical hosts, myself, Adam Perez, and Jerry Walker. So before we get into anything, Jerry, um, how are you doing? But also talk about the upcoming trip you're having because you're going to see a lot of LSU this upcoming uh, weekend.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty good getting ready for the long Labor Day weekend. I'm going to be unfortunately I won't be able to go to the ASU soccer game tomorrow due to prior things going on, but ASU football tomorrow night. And then I'm going to LA for the weekend, go see UCLA versus LSU in football and then come back for the LSU game here. So it is very LSU weekend for me.
0: Yeah. I know we're going to give your prediction about LSU soccer later on, but what's your prediction of LSU football this weekend?
1: Oh, light work.
0: Yeah.
1: I, for, they have already played a game, but I think it's gonna be a nice easy LSU win. Three. so if I was a betting person, I would definitely bet the over of three points.
0: Exactly. I mean betting's about to become legal in Arizona. I mean you could start signing up to that. So
1: time next a week tomorrow, sports betting goes into legalization here.
0: Absolutely. So I mean if you if if you could do that. I mean, I would recommend it. I mean, I'm I'm not advocating for gambling here. That's not what we do on the show. But me, myself, and Jerry may or may not be partaking in it. But
1: you dabble here and there.
0: Yeah, here and there. But you know, something yeah you, you cannot bet on. Well, at least in our case was this AUC women's soccer, which we should uh, discuss here. But before we even get into the games and everything like that, I I'd like to have a chat with you, Jerry, about. A little fun fact about this team is that Graham Winkworth seems to be a fan of Derby County. Um, for those of you who are aware, an uh, English club that is not in the top flight. But uh, <laughs> I know, Jerry, you have very strong feelings about that club, especially with Wayne Rooney as their gaffer. So I just wanted to ask you, Jerry, what's your opinions on that?
1: I mean, Derby's an interesting team. I'm a Leeds fan. So we have a little bit of we've had some history with them in the last couple years. May or may not have spied on them at practice, but there's nothing in the rules that said that wasn't allowed. So I'm I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean that's cool. Bringing in these little facts get get to know the players and the coaches better like who what they're all about.
0: Absolutely. And you what's know, what... your on Darby, <laughs> what's up?
1: What's your thoughts on Darby?
0: Uh I mean, I don't think I. I have no hatred toward the team, but I have not, I don't support the team either. As a West Ham fan, um, you know, my focus is on the Premier League, you know, as the leads now are. You know, we don't okay. focus on the championship. Hopefully we don't have to focus on that league for a while. Uh, I know Darby, we won't see in the EFL Cup because they just got out to Sheffield United. So um, we're not going to run into them, but. And the one thing that interested me a lot about that team is they start off the year with what I believe was nine players. They didn't sign a lot of people. And then later in the year, they finally fielded a full squad and got slowly into it. So that, that, that interests me enough.
1: Last year, they had all their financial issues. So they really could have possibly been relegated.
0: So. Absolutely. It was not looking good for them. But you know what? what team does have that? We're going to talk about that team that has that. That's ASU soccer. And they showed that off this weekend, but also a lot of their players showed up big and, and got some awards. Berta got the Pac-12 Goalkeeper of the Week. That's right. She She's coming into this program. She's earned her way into what seems the starting spot for them. And she already won her first award. And another player that we talked about who's probably one of the most consistent players day in, day out, you know you're going to get her. She's going to do a great job defensively is Lucia Carlier. So... Big shout out to her for her pack, uh, defensive back 12 player of the week. But what's your reaction to both those players getting awards?
1: I mean, Berta being a freshman and, and her first real weekend is the starting goal tent, goalkeeper, incredible performance. And I like great on her for getting that Pac-12 goalkeeper of the week award. As far as it is for Carlier, it's, I'm kind of surprised it hasn't happened sooner.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially her performances. I think, it's kind of—I'm not comparing your domestic, but it's like the messy situation where when you compare, when you keep comparing yourself to another solid performance back to back, how much of the awards you're going to get? Carlier, I mean, she keeps—she's a consistent person who she she uh, she she does her job very well. She cuts down the lanes and doesn't necessarily show up on the on the stat sheet. You know what she does on the field for the Sun Devil. So that that situation, I think, is the reason why she may not uh, receive the awards or uh, credit that she deserves, but. I think the biggest one for me is the Berta. I think that situation is very interesting because obviously was Cascavera being out for what seems like a long time. There's no confirmation if it's a long-term or short-term injury, but it seems like it will be a long-term injury. You have a goalkeeper situation where you have two freshmen. And I think the biggest question for us was who's going to get it. And I think this was just more reinsurance from her performance that she's put out. She has not conceded too many goals back there. And she looks like she communicates with the defense. The chemistry is strong. And honestly – um, you know, if I was a fan, I would be very reassured at that spot because I think she's proven herself as the number one goal- goalkeeper back there.
1: Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I think until Cascapera comes back, like you hinted, she's probably the not likely going to be the number one going forward.
0: Yeah, and I don't think there's anything to worry about necessarily in that case. I think early on in the season, there was something, there were some question marks, especially when you have a team like this, having a freshman goalkeeper may not have been the best, but, hey, it's proven out to be really well. And, I mean, think about it. The next few years, she's going to be here as well. So uh, you're, you're developing a future goalkeeper for years to come. And if, and if something happens, you have someone like Julia Ortega who stepped in and did well as well. Nothing against Ortega and what she did, but I, I, I like to lean toward Berta because I think she showed out a little more to start off the season. So,
1: One last thing on that. Winning two games on the, on the road – B, that's got to be huge for the goalkeeper's mentality and just mindset as you move into these tougher Pac-12 games as that gets underway soon. You're used to playing kind of hostile environments and on the road and succeeding.
0: Exactly. She was not – and that was the thing that we talked about in the last episode is this this team last year kind of struggled on the road. And it's not because not they didn't have the skill, but maybe it was the it was the hostile environments, the confidence maybe was not there. But Berta uh, has showed that no matter – if it's at home at Sun Devil Stadium or it's on the road at any stadium they play, she's willing to step in there and become big because she's she's had big saves. You know, I think last year to start off, we we kept saying Casper has done well, but has she been tested? We haven't, and that was the thing we kept saying week in and week out. I think, but, uh, and you you can uh, either agree or disagree with me here, but I think she's truly been tested early on. There's been there's been chances uh, off of mistakes where it, it's one on one chances, and Ber come up with the save or. The right thing to throw off the defender so I think she's she's truly passed the test and it's not like she's had a lack of it you know that's what I'm trying uh, that's what I'm trying to get at agree
1: she you had five saves in the game against Mississippi State and three saves against UAB so it's she is getting tested and goal is actually having to make some saves and stop the ball from going in
0: exactly so I don't think there's a lack of her just standing there and not doing her job where I think last year the case is Cascabert did her job but how much of those balls actually needed to be saved by her? You know, the the non conference matchup was, not to say necessarily a cakewalk, but it was pretty. It was it was a pretty light on that defense uh, on the goalkeeper because of what what was such a solid defense, you know. So,
1: would in making opponents have just bad shots or blocking the shots. So in the end, like you're saying, it, Casca Perry didn't have to do nearly as much last year. It seems at least.
0: And yeah, and obviously you you uh, Graham obviously wishes it was the same situation where obviously not a lot of chance of going to goalkeeper, but I think it's just more confidence and reinsurance back in the net. When you have someone getting tested early on that they have responded this way. So I think that's, that just boasts huge for, for the whole team defensively where they say, listen, if we commit a mistake, we don't have to go in for that yellow card. We don't have to go for that foul and give them that free kick opportunity. We have someone in behind the net that is willing to come uh, come up big for us and, you know, not necessarily bail us out, but be there when we need her to be as you know, the defenders will be there for Roberta as well. So. And I mean, uh, let's talk about the game. Obviously, we, we recapped uh, their previous uh, road matchup, but we didn't get to talk about this UAB matchup. We kind of previewed it, and and you said, and I'll give you credit here, you were more right than I was, that this was going to be a little bit of a lopsided match for the Sun Devils, and that's exactly how it turned out to be. 5-1, five, five, I mean, quite a few people have gone on, on, on the score sheet. I mean, there was no brace for anyone, but yet they were still a, scoring five goals. So what's... What do you take away from this game? Because it's it kind of rem, it's reminiscent of that Central Arkansas game where, where it was very one-sided and lopsided. So what's the biggest, you know, learning points from you from this UAB matchup?
1: I mean, from what I've saw, it's just another example of the depth that this team has. There are four different goal scorers because the fifth goal was known goal by UAB, or one of the five goals was a known goal by UAB. But only Olivia Nguyen had had scored a goal previously. Olive Kirst-Thomas got her first of the season. Lucy Johnson and Leisha Carlier all had their first goals of the season. So that just shows how the attack and the depth comes from anywhere. Two defensemen there, so.
0: Absolutely. And I think something that we've seen from these lopsided matches when it is like this is that the attack has come up huge. They're kind of taking the load off the defense where the defense – doesn't have to play back as much you know they get to go forward and help out because th- there's not a reliance on the defense to come up with stops or changing the field and last year i think what we saw a lot of the times is the other team would be winning in shots and then the off the attack would, would have their few opportunities and they would take advantage of it sometimes uh, but i feel like this year i mean we look at this game alone i mean ASU had 15 shots 11 on goal compared to you six and four on goal i mean that just tells you how how much the attack stepped up and was huge, and you know sometimes your best defense can be your attack, and I think that that's what was showing in this game. I mean, even look at Carlier; she was the first one to get get uh, get the goal. It wasn't you know when Nicole Douglas or anyone like that. It was Olivia. Uh, it was Lushka Carlier. So it, it, it's it's that total kind of unit that's that's doing well in the attack. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's, yeah. I have players from all over there get. The attacking players we've seen all season getting back and defend and now we're seeing the defensive players getting up and attacking and it's paying off so far.
0: And I mean, who's had a better start than Olivia Wynn? I mean, you can talk about Nicole Douglas and obviously she's off to a tremendous start. She's helping set up a lot of these goals. She uh, she got the final assist. But I mean, Olivia Wynn with her fourth goal this season and she started off hot last year. And now she's starting off hot again. And what, how great would that be for the Sun Elves if they could get that day in day out? Not necessarily it has to be goals, but as long as she can uh, be effective with the, you know, with her, her runs. I mean, her runs truly transform and can make the defense chaser, which can set up opportunities for like the number nine, Nicole Douglas, to come in. And the players in the other wing. I mean, whatever attacker they bring on in the midfield. So. Olivia Wynn's impact could be very huge, and if she can, if she continues her form, you know, uh, week in week out, not necessarily on the goal sheet, uh, goal sheet, but her impact in the game itself, that's going to be huge for the Sun Devils' success this season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That connection between her and Nicole Douglas up top has been huge the last two se- or last season, and then the beginning part of this season for the Sun Devils.
0: Yep, and it's that similar theme, and, and it's very interesting with a player like that because. I mean even coach coach Winkworth went to play her at cam at, at one moment with, with due to injury so it's interesting to see if she can play that versatile role which would come up big later in, later in the matches uh, when the, the legs are tired of the defense you have someone like Olivia Winspace still running around and, and getting into the ball that's going to cause trouble that's uh, going to be very uh, very hard for a lot of these teams but another thing that was very interesting before we move on and preview the next matches for me was we talked about Alexia Delgado's injury. And obviously she is still out. We have not received the official word of how long that's going to be or the extent of the injury. So again, we're not going to go on and guess and and do that. That's not not our way. But we were asking who's going to fill in that role. And in the first game, we saw Kiki Stewart got the most minutes and it made the start. And it was exactly like that in this matchup. So what are your thoughts about Kiki Stewart filling in that Alexia Delgado role for uh for for right now
1: yeah I think she's done a great job so far she's kind of fit in perfectly there but we saw how good she played that first game and coach Graham Winkworth pointed that out after in the press conference that she had earned her way up to this team has been fighting and competing the entire time and now is able to show that off and all that hard work is paying off for her
0: and she's, in, as you said, uh, Coach has said she's earned her minutes and she's looked good in, in those minutes. It's not like it's, it's those minutes that have been undeserved or they're, they're, they're just minutes just to get someone a time out there to uh, just, just to be out there to fill in the role. And she actually has made an impact. I think something that uh, I didn't expect a, a lot of it was how much she's around the ball. It seems like when it, whenever it's in the midfield, you see Kiki Stewart near the ball or making a run toward it to make a stop so she's constantly there and, and, and is constantly a presence which is what you need when you when you're missing a player like alexia Delgado. because alexia Delgado maybe may not necessarily be ball around times but the way she communicates it seems like she's there at all times the way she's the captain of the team so obviously it's it's hard to say that she's going to fill in that void immensely because obviously it's, it's a lot of pressure i mean alexia Delgado's in her fourth year she's the captain and all that so To go in there and step in is going to be very hard, but I think Kiki Stewart has responded pretty well so far.
1: Someone else who has stepped up completely, a player we talk about a lot, Ava Van Dersten, since Alexia has been out, she's been performing incredibly every match, had two assists in the last game against UAB. So she's also, not that she wasn't in that role already, but she's just taking advantage and showing how much more talented she can be.
0: Yeah, and I think she really flies on the radar because, radar because, I mean, with that partnership of Alexia and Ava, both of them feed off of each other so well. They, they play in unison very well, and they, can, they understand each other's a, a style of play. Uh, they, you know, if one's going forward, one will be right there. If one's looking for that pass, she knows exactly where to be. So, uh, like, like you said there, but when, with Alexia Delgado gone, it was interesting to see how, how she would respond, but she's kind of taking over that midfield. Which I agree with because I know Jaz- Jasmine Wilkinson, who's been performing very well too, and she's been that versatile player who can play on the wing but also can play that uh, midfield role, that defensive. You need someone who can be that cap, that leader in that midfield to make sure you're not winning that. Uh, you're you're winning that midfield battle, and that's someone like Ava Van Dersen, who has to you know take that up and say this is our midfield, and if we don't win this, then it's going to be a trouble for our defense in Berta. But it seems like they've had control of that midfield so far. Is that because of the opponents? That's a different question. That's what we'll see when it comes back to it. But for me, I, I've been impressed with the midfield, and I, I have not been too disappointed in their performances.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Looking, kind of looking ahead, you say the midfield's been a key part of the Sun Devils' performances and success this season. See Sun first game on Thursday tomorrow, or yeah, since we're recording this on Wednesday, first game on Thursday yep. against Sun and. What what do you expect from that one? Are you expecting more of a midfield battle again? And...
0: I I would like to say that if if ASU controls the midfield as they as they can and they have the players to, then I think this could be another lopsided win. Nothing against CSUN. and I'm not I'm not, not taking anything away from them. But I think the CSUN team it. Is still getting their groove on. I mean, look if you look at their first few games, it's one and three. I mean, they won a clo- uh, they won a close one against Iowa State, but when they got tested against the Pac-12 Stanford, they lost seven to zero. And that Stanford that Stanford uh, program is not a joke. It's a very good program, and we know that it's something. But I mean, we saw last year ASU was able to put a test on the Stanford team, so they're able to do that. I think they should be go out there and and, and perform against these very well. I'm not saying it has to be seven zero win like Stanford did. But when, you're, when you have the talent like you have in the Pac-12, you made the tournament and you have a midfield, you have a lot of players who are bracing that next man up mentality. Even the freshmen coming in, you have Berta performing very well and on form, Olivia Wynn. And, I mean, Nicole Douglas, who's very motivated. I mean, you add all those elements. I think it has what it seems like could be an easy win. But I think something that's very you, you got to allude to, you, you don't want to be focusing too much on the uh, LSU matchup. Because, you know, that LSU matchup is a big, big program. You may, you may be thinking ahead of that into that one. And this could be a trap game where a CSUN says, oh, you're thinking about that? We're going to come right at you. We're going to attack you and test you. And that could be the issue because Sonovas have conceded the first goal quite a few times already this season. So you don't want to be uh, playing from behind.
1: Yeah, you don't want to look too far ahead because it sports. Any, anybody can beat anybody else on virtually any given day. Some exceptions, obviously, but anything can happen. And I know this CSUN team hasn't been great. They're 0 2 on the road. They lost heavily against Stanford, but they you never know. They can still potentially score goals and just all you need is one and then get an upset.
0: Yeah. And I mean, think about this. You also have a target now. You're the number one, you're the 21 team in the nation. So, obviously, when you have a number like that, teams are more motivated to play you. They, they seek to play you. They want the upset. They want to say, hey, we might not have a good start to the season, but we beat the 21 nation in the team according to the polls. And that, and that makes a statement. That can flip the season around easily for Seaside, And I can, that can uh, uh, spark a run for them, especially because imagine if they beat ASU and drew against Arizona. That's a very successful uh, road trip for CSUN and one that would set them up for a lot of success. And it would kind of wipe away a lot, a lot of losses because as we've seen with the tournament, it's not necessarily the bad losses or uh, the small losses. It's, it's all about the wins you can do against big programs. And I think ASU now is one of those programs that can be seen as a big one, not only because of the rankings, but they made the tournament and they have the players who have experience.
1: Yeah, anytime you come off a season where you beat UCLA, USC, and Stanford, you deserve to be looked at in a better spotlight because those are obviously three of the best programs in the country. And that's exactly what ASU did last season was they went out and beat all three of them.
0: You know what's the interesting factor for me before I move on to this LSU matchup is the timing of the matchup. We've, we've been used to a 7 p.m. kickoffs, but now this is a... 10 a.m. kickoff and if you don't if you're not aware and you're not in Arizona that is a brutal brutal time to kick off because that's starting to be the peak of the heat so I think that factor is going to play in huge and um
1: as of right now it's only meant to be 86 degrees at kickoff at 10 a.m. But
0: not bad but I feel like as the game goes on it's gonna gonna get a little hotter it's gonna get it's gonna get there and the tired legs are gonna have to face a little more heat and uh, again, I'm not here to make a pun, but a team like CSUN's got to be prepared for this heat in the sun that Arizona have here. So I think that factor might come to be huge come, come tomorrow, uh, come Thursday, excuse me.
1: No, absolutely. Uh, Anytime. That, the heat in Arizona is one of the best home field advantages in sports. Just the rising have it. ASU football has it. ASU soccer has it. You train out in this 103, 104 degrees every day. Other teams don't. They come in and suddenly you're able to play all 90 and they're gassed after 75, 80.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's going to it's gonna play. Even the 85, some, you know, 87, it's going to feel like 90s or plus because that's just the way the Arizona heat is. And obviously with these temperatures, it's been raining as of recent, and mm-hmm. it may be raining as we're recording this podcast, so the humidity might be kicking off a little more tomorrow, which is obviously going to add another factor to it. But let's yeah no I don't know if you have one there no but let's move on. I think we got to talk about the big matchup, obviously nothing not nothing to take away from the season matchup as we said because I mean especially in, in footy if you if you're not on your day anyone can beat you so I think that that rings true but I mean you're facing in a program like lSU who I mean very historical they played seven matches through your, through our exhibition so uh, I understand I understand that much but they, they. It seems to me that they got the chemistry built up more. LSU. They've had the matches. They've looked pretty dominant in nearly all their matches. I mean, they've had some close games, but it's, it's looked comfortable. They've beaten teams like the fifteenth ranked South Florida at the moment, the nineteenth ranked UC, UCF at the moment. So um,
1: on the road as
0: well. So
1: like they're coming. They're they're a successful team on the road. So coming into Tempe might not be as big of a deal to them.
0: Exactly. That's not going to phase them. And I mean, again, if you want to if you want to look heavily dive in, they faced an the opponent that you faced, and they technically had a better match if if you consider it that way. They beats out Eastern uh, Louisiana two zero. You only beat them two one, and it was pretty tight. But obviously, it's more than that. I think the biggest thing for me was more the away back to back rank wins, and you and that's another situation where I think they thrive off of it, and their goalkeeper has come up big. I mean. I know you, you, you. we talked about it right beforehand, but talk about that situation and what do you expect?
1: Yeah, last week after upsetting the, like Edwin said, number fifteen USF and number nineteen UCF on the road, uh, LSU's goalkeeper Molly Swift was named the SEC Defensive Player of the Week, as well as the Top Drawer Soccer National Player of the Week and the United Coach or United College Soccer Coaches National Player of the Week. So she got all the awards you can really get. And that could lead to a very exciting goalkeeper matchup because Berta got the Pac-12 goalkeeper of the week last week.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's that's that's gonna be an intriguing matchup. That goalkeeper one that I would favor LSU right now. Nothing against Berta, but I mean when he won all those accolades and have the experience that LSU has, it's gonna lean towards her. So I think that matchup is gonna be very interesting. But I got I gotta ask you, Jerry. Obviously, they faced ranked teams, they've done it on the road. How does ASU avoid being the, being the next uh, ranked team at their home to lose? You know, how, how is ASU successful in this game?
1: Oh, that's a difficult one because these teams are so evenly matched. Like, if you just look at the stats, both teams have scored 14 goals. Shot-wise, it's 83 for ASU, 84 for LSU. They both have exactly 43 shots on goal. So it, it's really going to come down to who is going to let up first who is kind of going to let there? if you fall behind early are you going to be able to bounce back say we've seen asu do that twice early in the season go down one they have to fight the way back will you be able to do that against this lsu team or in the other way if asu scores first will they just be able to hold off lsu and not let them get back into it
0: no i mean that's very valid i think for me it's gonna be, come down to that, that back four. You've had experience. You got Jessica Hale. You have uh, Dars and Carlier, which we consider probably maybe the best cornerback uh, center back duo of Pac-12. Maybe one of the best. So don't quote me on that. And Lucy Johnson, who who's played very well in that we, uh, wing back role. So you have an experienced group that know how to play with each other, and you have a freshman keeper, obviously, who's who's starting to get in the rhythm. And they've only given up three, uh, three goals as of far and um, 22 shots to their 83. So you see that. They haven't been – they have been tested, but this is going to be their biggest test and probably the best attack they've faced as of, as of yet. So I think it's going to be the response of that back four and willing, willingness to take on that, that attack and saying that they're not afraid, that they're going to close those gaps and that midfield coming to, guide, to help them. Because something that's interesting to me and what happened in previous years, not not necessarily as much last year, is when they face the big opponents, they've dropped back to a five-back. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that they're going to do that, but it'll be intriguing to see if Coach Winkworth experiments with the lineup depending on what's going on. And we may revert to a five-back at one point, but I think that's going to be a very interesting situation defensively is how they're going to respond. But can players like Olivia Wynn and Nicole Douglas with uh, fewer opportunities, it seems, are they going to be able to score? You know, they've had a lot of chances to score. I mean, in, in, in the little games that they've played, they've had 83 shots. So, I mean, they've had a lot of opportunities. I don't think that's <laughs> – they're not going to have that much opportunities in this game, so you have to be able to take advantage of the opportunities that, that are given to you in this game especially.
1: Yeah, I mean that's what happened two years ago when ASU went down to Baton Rouge and took on LSU there. Is you had three shots on target for ASU out of sixteen total, and you win one nil. You're just taking advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, and making sure those chances count.
0: And I making, yeah, yeah, and making making sure those big players show up. I think this game, uh, I, I like I like what Olivia Wynn can offer the defense, but I think this is a game that Nicole Douglas can put her stamp. On, You know, this is a game that Nicole Douglas could step up huge, you know, get her brace and truly uh, further her legacy in, in the Sun Devil because I mean, she already has a big legacy. Don't get me wrong. I mean, she she clearly is going to go as one of the best uh, Sun Devil soccer players. I don't think that's necessarily a hot take. But this, this is one of those games that can even further her legacy, push herself more because not only does it have a lot of ramifications when it comes to just this game, the non-conference schedule, this win could be vital for the tournament. And this could be vital for what Sun Devil Soccer uh, wants to do in, in going back. And so for someone like Nicole Douglas, going to back-to-back tournaments would cement her legacy. And if they go on a further run, that would be even more, setting their future up a lot. So there's just a, it seems like there's just a lot of ramifications this game. So a player like Nicole Douglas could put her stamp in. Someone like Ava Van Dursen, you mentioned. No Alexio Delgado. So this, I think this would be huge for her to step up big and win that midfield, as we mentioned.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and like you mentioned it a little bit when we were talking about the CSUN game and how that, the weather and like coming out here is kind of difficult for teams. Do you think there's, we've all seen what's happening in Louisiana with the hurricanes and how much destruction has gone there. Do you think there's any aspect of a mental game there for the soccer team coming, you have all this stuff going on at home and now you have to get out and now focus your mind on playing two tough teams in Arizona and Arizona state.
0: Yeah. At the end of the day, right. These, these athletes are students and they're just human, you know, at the end of the day, that's going to be in the back of your head, whether you like it or not. Now, if you can, uh, when it comes down to the field, if you can focus on the task at hand, I think it's going to be very huge, especially with these upcoming hands because um, yeah, it's going to play at, at least uh, to answer your, your uh. Uh, to, to answer your question quickly it's going to play a factor but if you can erase that and focus on the Sun Devils that's going to be your key because the Sun level soccer team is not just going to let you uh, be focusing on something else or focusing on future matchups that's that's when they'll take advantage of you uh, kind of Graham alluded to it where last year teams didn't have us on the radar now they do you know so they, they, they embrace not being looked at as serious but now they they should be embraced as serious. And if not, they're going to prove themselves. So I think it is going to play a little bit of a factor, but I think at the end of the day, right, it's it's been a factor for this team now for a little bit, and they have come out and succeeded and did that recently against a UCF team on the road and a USF team on the road. So I think if they can overcome that, there, they're going to, it's obviously the situation still going on. So I think, uh, you know, I wish best to all the families out there, but I think they're going to be very, honed in on this game at least for me
1: yeah I mean you can't really if you're a player is as, as hard as it is to take your mind off it you kind of have to to an extent and kind of just focus on what you're there to do which in this case is play a soccer game
0: and sometimes that's that's the moment where you rally the most you know this is where you you come out the best because I mean there's been examples all over not only in in you know soccer but in football basketball where uh, if either family member has passed away or anything like that, and those players have come out to uh, and done big performances, and Perfect.
1: dedicated. Douglas this season, her nan passed away over the la- within the last year, and she's already said she's dedicating this season to her and has come out shooting and firing right away.
0: And and in, in paying a great tribute to her nan that truly meant a lot to her. Obviously, that as you mentioned, unfortunately passed away. So you can see you see the effect that. That can have in the rally that they can, uh, that can have. So I think that's going to be great. And we're going to see that not only with them, but the football, you know, LSU football when going into California, I think you're going to see a little bit of that in hand, but Jerry I feel like we got to give our predictions. I, we, we didn't do a CSUN. So let's go back to the CSUN uh, matchup. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but we didn't do the prediction for that, right? We did not. No. So give me your prediction for that matchup. I'll give mine and then we'll go back to the LSU.
1: CSUN. So for that game, I kind of think it's going to be a win for ASU, but you can't – two years ago, again, they played each other, and it was a draw in Tempe. So CSUN definitely is a capable opponent, but I just see ASU's talent and depth being too much for them. I'm going to go 4-1 as the final.
0: I like that. I like that. But do the Sun Devil concede first, or do or do they get the goal?
1: Uh, it goes like 3-0 up an unfortunate counter by CSUN and then a fourth.
0: I like that. I like that. Uh, I, like, I tend to agree. I tend to agree. I think this is going to be a matchup where I think CSUN might surprise them early on, but I think uh, Sun Devils will be able to respond well. Berta, I think just too much in form, but I think Olivia Wynn will will get another gold uh, in that game and, so, uh, some, and continue her form. So I'm going to give it a three, three, one. You know, I think it's going to be a little tighter than yours, but I think it's still going to go the sum of a way. But now it comes to a little one, the one that's a little more difficult, Jerry. What do you see in this LSU matchup? I
1: think this is going to go to extra time. I think both goalkeepers and both defenses are on such a hot streak at the moment. It might finish 1 0 or 0 0 or my two predictions for it to go at the end of regulation. But then it's. I don't know. I, I honestly can see this one ending as a draw. Yeah, I think both teams are so evenly matched.
0: I tend to agree with you. I, again, I don't want to kind of repeat what you're saying, but I, I think this game has a draw written all over it. I think LSU is just a formidable por- opponent at the end of the day, That goalkeeper that's going to test you very well. But I think the ASU is going to be able to respond, but LSU is going to too. So I think it's going to be a back-and-forth end-to-end battle. Who's going to come out? But I think at the end of the day, both teams are going to get their two goals and not be able to crack for the third in overtime. So I give this one a draw as well. So uh, I, we both we both tend to agree, a win and a draw, which I think I, that's a great weekend if, if I'm looking at it. I mean, you look at what you've done so far. You look at, I mean, the previous matches in the non-conference matchup. It kind of, kind of brings me to my next question, Jerry. Where do they, you know, obviously non-conference-wise, where do they need to be record- to uh record wise to be able to make it back to the tournament is it kind of a maybe an undefeated run is it maybe dropping one or two what do you see it as in
1: terms of non-conference i think you can get away with dropping more ideally you don't want to drop any but i think by playing in the pack 12 your non-conference isn't irrelevant but it's changes the aspect of it like if you go out and Lose to Nebraska or lose to Texas Tech, then come back and beat USC or UCLA or Stanford again. Those wins definitely outweigh those losses. So I think one or two losses in non-conference play is probably the most that they can get away with and still have a chance to make the tournament as long as it is a strong Pac-12 performance.
0: I think I tend to agree with your point there. And I think the biggest thing is not necessarily how many losses. I think it's the, I think the most important thing is the opponents that they go out and play and what they do. I think this LSU matchup is the one that I kind of highlight because what we kind of learned last year, and it's not to take away from some of their opponents. Again, every game matters as coach Winkler will say, and kind of echo to the team, but these big wins truly mean a lot for the tournament. It seems like that means more and going on a three-game losing streak against opponents that are not in the top twenty-five against those kind of things. So that's why I kind of highlight this LSU game and say they come out with a draw or a win. That's going to be bigger than their first four wins, if I'm being honest. So I think that's going to be more uh, that's going to be more important than if they go out to Colorado College and struggle a little bit. So I think that's where I kind of look at it. If, if you kind of agree with that, yeah, was
1: Making sure the the quality of the opponent and a loss against an LSU or a draw against an LSU might help out in the long run compared to a win against Colorado college. I find find that incredible that that's a team ASU is playing this season. I'd never heard of Colorado college in anything else except hockey.
0: I absolutely know Sam same here. And that's going to be a, a, I think an intriguing matchup for us to discuss in the future, but I, I never heard of it. And I, and it's gonna be very interesting to see them perform against them, but that's definitely a future thing. But I, I I I tend to agree with I think what we're both saying. It's just like these big games are kind of kind of huge value. So, Jerry, to kind of get a quick question before we move on, that is how much how, how much focus do you put on playing teams like Colorado College, like Central Arkansas, is, when you know how how valuable these, these big team matchups are like, do you, do you see the value in going a hundred percent against one the central Arkansas team when you're facing an LS, LSU team come Sunday?
1: Yes. Cause you, I mean, you have to play every game leagues, not the same way, but like you want to play every game with that same a hundred percent intensity. Cause in the tournament, if you make it, we saw ASU got drawn with CN in the first round who is not from as big of a conference probably didn't have to play as great of teams and then in the second round you end up playing duke who's an acc blue blood and one of the best teams in the country Who's and it's kind of just you got to be able to beat the good teams you got to be able to beat the bad teams for to be a title contender and i think that's what this asu team strives to be this year
0: Uh a hundred percent i think also for the factor of building that chemistry because you've had so much injuries, you had so much kind of turnovers, uh, not, not turnover-wise, I meant like injuries and, you know, players having to not play or be 100% fitness-wise. So you have all that. You need to build your chemistry up because we still see defensive mistake. We're still, uh, as much as the, the star has been good, we're still seeing those issues where that, those little those little mistakes can bite them harder down the line Pack 12 So how do you fix that? I think it's these games and getting like players – uh, the younger players some time to develop and eat, even the starting uh, 11 to be strong. That's going to be huge. So um, I agree with you, where you don't want to necessarily take your ga- uh, foot off the gas against those opponents. Cause I think come tournament wise, you may face an opponent like CSUN, you know, where an opponent where they had it, they had a good seat, a good season, but they, they might be overlooked against teams like LSU. And if you focus on the, those LSU kind of programs, then you might, you might lose in that first round to an opponent. Like Sienna, you know. So I think this is going to be a huge test, and, and is, well, not a huge. It's going to be huge for their future, but uh, to say. Um, but I I I propose another question to you, Jerry. Uh, I kind of alluded to it a, a little bit earlier, but Graham Winkler likes to experiment a little bit with the lineups, player wise, what 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 formation they run, and in the past, I said if they're facing a big opponent, he's not been afraid to go to a five back. But we've even seen a three-back, knowing, uh, knowing some of the opponents and what they've done. They have dropped back to a three-back, and Brian and Laura Kerberg to, in that, uh alongside uh, Dars and Carlier. So what are your thoughts on going to, you know, experimenting with that formation when you know they typically play that four through three that works so well against many of their opponents?
1: I mean, I personally think that tomorrow they'll st- stick with the four in the back. But it is good to be able to try out these five in the back at times and three in the back because, depending on who you're matched up against, maybe that four-three-three traditional lineup you have isn't gonna help and isn't gonna work out. You said fight. You said you're using five defenders in the big games last season, and those worked out. Beat Stanford. Beat USC. Beat UCLA.
0: Yeah. No. No. I. I tend. No. I tend to agree with you there. I think for me, I. I think that you stick with what works, right? And so last year it worked, but I like to also think that if you're you're at your best in the four three three, why change that too? You know, if that's working for you, then stick with it. I, I don't like to bend too much against your bonus because when you when you try to bend too much, to your opponents to play too, too defensive, your your attacking might go missing the game, and if you're if you go down, then it's going to be hard to revert back into where you used to back to that attacking mentality. So. I think it's just being careful with, what you, with what you do it in the situation wise. Let's say you go up against LSU in the 50th minute and you drop back one more one uh, you drop you drop an attacker and bring another defender back. I think that's a fair uh, fair tactic trying to uh, preserve the win. But I think if you're doing it for your full 90 and trying to play defensive the whole time, I think that's where the issues come up. I mean, I, I, I hate to uh, hit a little bit of a wound for you, Jerry, but I think that when England went up 1-0 against Italy, The Euro, I think they played. They were trying to play too defensive all ninety minutes, and we saw against a team like Italy that just didn't seem to work out. So I think that's kind of a little bit what what I allude to. Yeah, no, absolutely. You you don't
1: want to give the other team the chance to have the ball. So I I personally don't see the point in playing super defensive, at least from the get go. You have a lead, park the bus, all that's fine, but like you want to come out and. Put the right foot forward, and you want to win the game. You don't necessarily want to draw the game. Or
0: no, no, I I agree. uh Let's finish it off, and my one of our favorite questions to do. We typically give our most impressed player of the weekend, but we only got to sum up one uh, one game, so I don't think it's fair to give it up just for one game. So I think for me, my question I post to you and our final one to wrap it up is which. Who's the player that needs to be, that needs to have a great weekend in order for the Sun to have the success that they want.
1: If you have yours, go for it. Cause give me me a second.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. No, I'll I'll give you that second. I think, I think the obvious answers would be a win, obviously with the four goals you have, the Nicole Douglas, the number nine, and I think Berta, but I think for me, I'm going to go with Jess Hale. I think someone like Jess Hell has proven that she can step up in these situations. She loves uh, people kind of underestimate her because she's maybe a little smaller, uh, smaller, as a, a smaller defender. So maybe doesn't get the respect she does physically and, and uh, one-on-one, but she can win those. And I think against LAC, there's going to be a lot of those one-on-one situations where she needs to win, uh, needs to win that battle. If not, that's going to cause a little issue, a lot of issues for your uh, defense and for Berta. So I, if I'm going to give my low-key underrated one, not the obvious answer, I think Jess Hill, who obviously we talked to her last, last year. I definitely, definitely definitely recommend if you didn't see our talk with her last year, check it out. Uh, that was one of my favorite uh, ones that we did, but I think Jess Hill can step up big in games like these.
1: Yeah, I think I'm probably going to go with Berta. I think that might have been my player, or that was the player I was impressed with last week, but again, most more looking at the LSU game, They have a LSU is a great goal 10 goalkeeper as well. So I think you want to make sure you have solid goalkeeping as well. And that's kind of what you need. That's my key there.
0: I mean, I, it's a smart pick. I, I, (laughs) I can't Uh, fault you for the pick. I'm not, (laughs) I can't say you're wrong about it.
1: I think it's going to be a low scoring defensive battle and the goalkeeper is going to have to step up and that might be the difference in the game on Sunday.
0: No, 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 no. I, I think that she's going to have to come out huge. So I, I can't fault you with a pick. I was just trying to go with the sneaky pick as I always like to do the little sneaky one that maybe is not, not talked about as much. But uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for uh, the Inferno Soccer Insider this week from uh, you know, myself, Emma Perez, and, and co-host Jerry Walker. Thank you so much for listening. For all your ASU soccer coverage needs, make make sure to check out InfernoIntel.com. Obviously, myself and Jerry do a lot of the writing over there. Addison Colbatch recap the most recent weekend, so make sure to go check that out. We got a lot of good photos and video content coming out soon, so make sure to check it out. But thank you for That's
1: tuning people on. We, we We put out applications for people to join the soccer coverage team, so who knows? There might be a third voice with us next week.
0: Well, there might be. There might be. We might be bringing that. on people. I mean... As, as sad as it is, me, myself and Jerry are in our final, final year. So we're going to need people to take over for us. So we'll see, we're going to have some new faces. So that's another little great uh, tidbit right there. So make sure to be on the he- uh, heads up for that and make sure to welcome them into our great coverage. Cause I mean, if myself and Jerry are doing it, they will too, because we're, we're the guys, we're the leaders right there. So, but thank you so much uh, for tuning in and we will see you next week.